Hello, Andrew. Leaders from around the world are converging on Scotland soon for COP26, that summit. Now, we've talked a lot about it and about the decarbonisation megatrend on this podcast in the past. What do you think the biggest challenges are that are facing these politicians as we approach what we hope is the next milestone in the, uh, the battle against climate change, global warming? Well, key, Richard, is that I believe they really do need to find the common ground that can allow them to progress as governments uh, in their own countries and as a global uh, framework and approach that can really accelerate our challenges that uh, they need to address around climate change. And within that, I think there's a combination of uh, factors that hopefully that they can um, draw together on. One, I think, has to be around carbon pricing and thinking that how can that be incorporated and be able to address the challenges that we have today with um, a structure that doesn't have consistency, doesn't allow us to have that inside and uh, companies the ability to work in a standardised framework to um, address that uh, you know, individual challenge as well as what it means collectively as you work across borders and across the world. And the combination for you know, the governments is the fact that they are very different um, periods of economic development and that is a challenge that I don't think is going to be small to overcome. It sometimes seems overwhelming, doesn't it, um, that you, you wonder what on earth are they going to be able to, to do because there seems to be um, disagreement and then perhaps the, uh, the capabilities, the, the economic ability to, um, uh, to, to pay for change. There is also the way of looking at this as an opportunity. How, how do you um, work with your investment team to um, realise what the opportunities might be as well that might actually um, flow through? Yes, yeah, so I think it is you know, full of opportunity and I, and I think we should be um, optimistic that you know, we are still making progress. The, the challenge is that um, speed of uh, progress that we see at the government uh, level and uh, uh, you know, as a global framework, as I said. But for us and looking at where we should invest and how these opportunities form, what it will do, and, and I hope that it brings about, is the uh, ability to look at those areas that need to transition quickly. Um, and I think that one thing we should never forget is that it's not just about green. It's about turning dark brown into lighter brown to green. So that transition framework of taking you know, some of the old infrastructure, taking some of the energy production that you know, really is not going to be how we can uh, achieve our goals in the future, actually converting that and gradually being on a pathway that can accelerate to a net zero um, environment. And also, you know, we shouldn't forget that um, you know, that is uh, you know, an admirable aim, but really we need to see negative emissions where they can be achieved um, compared to today. And that is, I think, the, the opportunity set that we're looking at. Where are those um, areas that we can both engage, intervene and help transition through time as much as investing into some of the technology and the infrastructure that will be truly part of the, the new economy of the future. It's an important point, isn't it, that we can't walk away from the, the dirty industries, um, the ones that at the moment are still churning out um, carbon into the, into the atmosphere. Um, and it fits with, I think, very closely with, um, with one of your themes about engagement over exclusion. It really does. And um, I think it's such a vital point that uh, you know, we have a massive uh, challenge ahead of us to ensure that we do not have temperatures um, you know, increasing 
and and in reality the 1.5 percent degrees centigrade target you know really should be the worst outcome because at the end of the day things will still change even under that um, scenario um, but it really is that if we can engage with companies with governments as well because sovereigns are very important uh, in this process to end up with uh, an environment where we are gradually moving you know the most challenging areas of uh, the economy in terms of the output of carbon to today um, and then accelerating that change as technology allows us to as we see that the investment are actually producing the right outcomes because as always if you have a virtuous process it will allow you to accelerate it will allow you to draw everyone in but the challenge is that it has to be for everyone as well if we do this in sort of isolated buckets unfortunately that will not be enough so you've talked about one of the frameworks that ties all of these approaches together, and that is carbon pricing. How realistic are investors about what carbon pricing is, whether it will actually happen in a coordinated way, and what the implications are for investments? So I think that one of the challenges that uh, you know, really uh, is with us to, today is the fact that we don't have that global framework of how we approach uh, carbon carbon pricing. And I really do hope that's one of the things that we can see progress um, occur over the course of uh, the next uh, couple of weeks as we go into and through COP26. The reality coming out of that is that, you know, for investors is that they will have to build in what are the macro as well as micro effects. And I think there that, um, you know, there are challenges because it is a significant repositioning of the economy over time it will have an impact on certain sectors in terms of the cost of what they do and and what it costs the individuals to be able to um to use them um or as a service or to buy them as a as a good um and it's really a you know framework there that we're saying that if we want to accelerate change there's a little bit of the producer pays because that's what generates the the level of um you know speed of move but again it has to be that consistency of regulatory environment, legal environment that will allow us to uh, you know, make that um, move forward. And I think the challenge, again, that flows from that is the degree to which they can give clarity and consistency that then um, investors can look and actually use carbon as part of their portfolios um, and also think about the effects in a consistent way and they can start to reallocate capital efficiently on the basis of that. And those are the things today that are far from clear and therefore make it very difficult to really be able to get fully that capital redeployment and the cost we know that goes with this you know, being understood, assessed and then um, uh, you know, really repositioned. Because that really is a radical way of, of thinking about carbon, if you're actually starting to um, shift your allocations, including um, carbon. It is. And, and I think because there's the obviously the impact in terms of cost into certain um, companies that would occur. There's the impact at sovereign level again, you know, in terms of where we are and where they are in terms of the production of, um, uh, of energy and production of goods where they are very carbon intensive. That's, uh, you know, how that will Im impact. And that is, I think, one of the things that when we look at the global environment and for especially the developed world, you know, is to be able to um, find a way forward with the developing world of how you can address this. Because at the end of the day, one of the challenges for all of us is that how is it paid for? Because there's partly an economic structure of how we think about um, growth and that 
uh, you know, the challenges around consumption and um, the fact that that at the end of the day, has, the trends have to change for us to be able to hit uh, the climate um, goals that uh, you know, we're all discussing. But there's also, I think, another um, uh, you know, important point, which is that uh, you know, when you incorporate this into um, uh, you know, individual and company um, activity, is that you are really creating um, uh, you know, uh, something that has long-term change in models of operation. And as we currently have supply chain challenges coming from COVID, as we have um, you know, the cost of goods that have uh, flowed from that because of the demand supply uh, change that we've seen as well as uh, COVID in recent months, it just makes this an even more um, you know, difficult uh, approach um, that has to be incorporated at an individual and a company level. And that's why I think that, you know, it really is important that COP26 does produce clarity of outcome. And, you know, even if we can't address everything immediately, that there is that pathway being laid out so people understand and can then, um, you know, align to it. Otherwise, we will still have a very fractured environment globally, and that will be the biggest challenge in itself. And in an environment, um, in, in many ways, in an environment um, where there are so many very big questions and concepts, and you've, you've run through some of them there, what would be the one suggestion you'd make to somebody who is investing at the moment, whether they're an individual investor, whether they are um, representing a pension fund, or whether they are, uh, they are an allocator you know, in, professionally in, uh, in investing? So I still think that they should be looking at the technology and also the infrastructure um, opportunities that will be uh, you know, part of our future, whether it's the acceleration point we hope um, immediately or just the reality that it will have to be done and is part of already commitments in the net zero uh, policy framework, that they should be looking at how they can have increased exposure to these uh, areas through time because they are real, you know, whether it be, again, the move to renewables is a, is a well-known trend, but it's actually all the other parts of infrastructure that will be needed as we move to uh, you know, pipelines being um, uh, you know, changed to be able to take different types of um, uh, you know, forms of ultimate energy production that, um, uh, and the technology, you know, at, at the margin that these things um, uh, you know, are not as uh, expensive or as um, you know, well adapted today, but over time they will be at the core of how we address uh, you know, some of the issues that we see within climate change and ensuring that, as again, we don't only hit a net zero, but we can actually hit negative emissions um, profiles from where that's possible. Um, so I, I think at the bottom line is that uh, you, know, you do have to build it into your strategic asset allocation and think about what does a climate change framework mean and that's back to the carbon and to the carbon impact uh, across the uh, uh, the globe but also what does it mean in terms of some of those investment allocations at the margin that could be increased to these areas where you're going to see long-term change in the economy and therefore uh, how capital is deployed is going to be for the long term and the returns that come with that. Well, that's a very practical note to end on. Thank you very much indeed, Andrew McCaffrey. And that brings us to the end of this episode. But you can hear more on this and other investment topics on either of our award-winning Rich Pickings or Fidelity Answers podcasts. Just search for any of those titles in your podcast app. You can also read more from our contributors at fidelityinternational.com. That's all we have time for today. But from all of us at Fidelity International, goodbye. 
This podcast is for investment professionals only and should not be relied on by private investors. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is intended only for the person or entities to which it is sent. It must not be reproduced or circulated to any other party without prior permission of fidelity. The value of investments can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. For other important legal notices, please see our website.